The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. It's time for our weekly environment spot with John Gibbons. John, during the 5 of 5, we heard that the government is now considering disallowing the increased tolls that have been proposed by Transport Infrastructure and saying that they're too much, that people can't afford them. It could add €100 Euro a month to some people's car bills. But are there other things that we should be looking at? I mean, for example, should we be linking the size of the toll to the number of the people who are in the car? And if you have a full car, maybe of people who are sharing a journey, that they pay no toll at all. Uh, yes, uh, good evening, Matt. Yeah, I think so. This really represents, uh, if you like, the easiest way to get a quick win in terms of, of, of transport, both in terms of emissions and in terms of uh, road congestion, because many of our car journeys today are single users. We see that on, on the roads and motorways. We have a pretty good motorway network in Ireland, but it's still mostly single cars on it. Now, you do see kind of ad hoc car pooling arrangements going on. For example, off the edge of the M the M9, say, between Dublin and Waterford, you find kind of pockets of cars parked willy-nilly along the, along the, along the, the junctions. So obviously there are people who are maybe using WhatsApp groups and so on to coordinate with friends and neighbours, maybe to take a spin up to City West. Now, when you've got three, four, five people in a car, obviously the emissions go down per person dramatically. The costs, of course, can be shared because uh, while, you, while it's not a hiring situation like a taxi or an Uber, uh, it there's no, uh, there's no reason why you can't come to an arrangement about sharing well, of fuel there, and so on. There might be a problem with insurance. Isn't there an issue that if you have that you're even doing a deal with friends and if they're chipping in to pay for the petrol, they become passengers for hire and they can affect your insurance? Well, I, I'm not going to claim to make a definitive ruling on this, Matt, but I have looked into it earlier today and the impression I get is that as long as you're not involved in, 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 in a hire arrangement, it would be covered by your normal insurance. So just make sure okay, that you it's have. just a contribution between friends yeah, absolutely the so if you decide to throw in a tenner towards the petrol that uh, won't uh, negate or should not negate your, your your insurance policy but obviously as ever if in doubt uh, ask your insurance company but it's also harder it can be hard to organise say if you're working out in County Mead County Kildare inside in Dublin or as I live in there I'm working inside in Dublin you know, you might have four friends on the state who would say, well, we could do that, but they would find that they're all going to different locations in Dublin. They may be starting work, finishing work at different times, that they might have the best of intentions, but can't actually organise it. Of course. I mean, there will always be these difficulties. On the other hand, you know, you may find you, you've got X number of people, say, uh, in a thigh who need to get to, say, a major uh, industrial estate like City West. That would be a typical commute. And in Ireland, of course, because of our, of our uh, scattered uh, distribution, population distribution, we have a lot of long-haul commuters. Quite surprising for a small country. And on that, Matt, at the moment, according to the CSO figures for last year, only 2.8% of journeys in Ireland are involve either a lift or a carpooling arrangement. Now, compare that with America. And when you think of America, you think of uh, the people doing their own thing, the land Everyone free. has their own car, don't Everyone they? has their own car. However, strangely enough... Uh, the most recent figures, between 10 and 11% of all car journeys in America, for example, for, for work commutes, are completed by carpools. In fact, if you take, take things like James Corden's Carpool Karaoke, it taps into that zeitgeist of actually sharing cars and, and making something out of the journey. So, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, of course there are issues, but you can overcome them, for example, using apps. And there's one particular app called, it's called Blah Blah Car. It's a European app. It's developed for use across Europe. Uh, it's reckoned to have about 80 million users 
users. Uh, I did check uh, the Irish app store. I couldn't, I couldn't find a specific Irish app for it. But if you think about it, either using your, your, your mobile phone, maybe a, a WhatsApp group, coordinating with people who are heading in the same general direction is much easier now than it used to be. And as I say, this is probably the easiest thing. Now, of course, we should all be in public transport, but the reality is that's not going to happen anytime soon. But the thing that we can do that would quickly save people a load of money, cut our transport emissions and reduce congestion on the roads is simply to strongly incentivise that. And as you said in your intro, Matt, I think a great place to start is to let people who have a full car, uh, let them toll free. And also uh, in America, again, they have a car... um, carpool lanes. So they've got, say, on a three or four lane highway, there's one lane dedicated to carpools and you can only go in that lane if you have a minimum of three or four people in the car. Now that type of thing, you take the motorway, say, between Nace and Dublin, that's a three lane motorway. How about one of those lanes become a carpool lane? And people then would, you'd suddenly find your uptake would absolutely shoot up. Okay, let's move on. You want to praise Bordnemona, why so? Well, I mean, Bordemona uh, this week they have engaged in a in a in a very large scale uh, venture uh, with a wind energy company, and this really is pushing out the boat for 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 Bordemona. And I think I I made the point a little bit earlier today that Bordemona used to be the environmentalist kicking boy. Really, if you go back ten, fifteen years, even five years, Matt, they were shipping a huge amount of grief, and they did undergo the so called just transition. And what you now have basically, Sorry, they, but they originally went for biomass, though, didn't they? That type of thing. Yeah, I mean, for example, uh, Bordemona got into got into they they wanted to transition out of burning peat into by burning, burning wood chips. Yeah, by burning wood chip and so on. It's, it's a terrible, it's, it's out of the frying pan and into the other frying pan. Terrible idea. Basically, burning stuff is a really bad idea for energy generation. But especially, they've past that, they? Yeah, basically they've sort of leaped past that and, and now we have a state energy company Bordnemona that is now strongly focused on renewable energy and the big win, Matt, as you know, in renewable energy is offshore wind. We have the best offshore wind resources in Western Europe. We should be the proverbial Saudi Arabia of renewable energy if we get our act together. But we're not. Well, we're getting there. Are we? I believe... Because it's, as I've said in this programme a number of times, the last time we had an offshore wind farm built in this country was 2004. We have all sorts of planning issues. It's not just onshore that we have planning issues. It's offshore as well. We haven't put the required facilities in place onshore to capture the energy that would come in from these wind farms. We are so far behind in relation to this. Sure, but let's take the the proposals that Bordnemona are currently involved in. They involve building wind farms on the east coast, which would be off the coast of, of, of Dublin, Wicklow, and down off the coast of Wexford. Now, the great advantage out of that, of course, is number one, you have shallower banks there, like the Arklow banks, so therefore construction is easier. But number two, and critically, you're bringing the energy the shortest distance to the metropolitan area of Dublin and the greater Dublin area, where there's the greatest demand. On the other hand, we have fantastic wind resources on the west coast, but you're quite right, that does also present the challenge of how do we get that energy across the country. And one thing I would say, I'm beginning to see this, uh, say, in my own neck of the woods in, in Dunleary and Kalini area, uh, groups popping up uh, opposing offshore wind. Uh, this is more NIMBYism. And now people will tell you this. Very- what, what is the possible problem they have? I mean, visual impairment? Yep. Even if you have wind farms 15 miles off the shore that they're out in the distance? 
It, is, it takes it takes the breath away. There are people apparently in their in their pads up on the Kalini Hill who, if they they peer through their their, their binoculars, can just about see the, the 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 on the horizon a wind farm, and apparently that might affect their house prices. This is the kind of stuff. Now, I also see it being wrapped up and being disguised as concern about the environment. Now, of course, we need to make sure that we have uh, protection for marine areas and that that it's done sensitively. But I will make this point for those who think that opposing offshore wind is is an environmentally positive thing. One of the best ways to create a marine protected area, Matt, is in fact to build a wind farm and basically not allow trawling in and around the wind farm. And guess what? The fish will quite happily spawn in and around the base of wind turbines so they can actually become uh, marine protected areas. Okay, well, talking about public attitudes and objections to offshore wind farms, tell us about the Environmental Protection Agency report called Climate Changes for Ireland's. What does that mean? Yeah, this is a really, really interesting study. It's, it's work they did jointly with uh, Yale University. And it's a very big study, Matt. It's over 4,000 uh, telephone interviews that were carried out last year. And I stress last year because that was before the hellish summer of 2022, when we would expect Irish attitudes to harden. Now, what we find is they've been able to break the Irish population into four groups, what are called the alarmed the concerned, the cautious and the doubtful. Now, the alarmed, I guess, would be people who are extremely concerned about climate change. They are, believe it or not, 36% of the population. So for every three people out there, one of them is already alarmed about climate change. Now, when you add in concern, Matt, the overall figure rises to about 85% of the Irish population is either alarmed or concerned. Now, this is incredibly important because there has been this idea put about, let's just say, that somehow, you know, strong concerns about climate is a niche issue being pushed by activists being pushed by by certain groups. But what we find, in fact, is that right across Irish society, we have really strong concerns. And if I were to drill a little bit into that, Matt, um, what we find, for example, among the alarmed group, uh, 57% of them are female and 43% are male, which again is a really strong uh, gender break. And what that suggests clearly is that women are looking more to the future and are far are more focused on the future. And if I were to take the the... the, the the doubtful group. Now, this is only 3% of our whole population, yet of that, 74% of that group are male. And typically, they're in the age group 45 to 59, lower educational achievement, more unemployment, more religious, and tend not to use national media. So wherever they're getting their information from, it doesn't tend to be from mainstream media. But the key thing to stress here is that the over overwhelming majority of people in Ireland are already either alarmed or strongly concerned about climate. And why is that important? And why do we have why do we need data like this? Because there are politicians out there listening to us today. There are policymakers, there are civil servants, there are local authority people, there are media people going, is this really an issue for me? Is this a fringe issue or is this mainstream? And what this survey, Matt says, absolutely nails it once and for all. The climate emergency is now bang smack in the middle of people's concerns in Ireland. This is no longer a fringe issue. I was at a conference this morning and part of it was devoted to sustainability and the sustainability executive at a major insurance company did say, and he was very much he was very much in your line of thinking, but he also was worried that he feels that people are now reacting, they don't want to hear it anymore, and that they regard being told 
the facts as being lectured at. Yeah, I mean, that's always the case. Like, we, you know, nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be lectured at. Of course they don't. And, of, and of course, part of what the EPA are doing here is about climate communication. It's finding the right buttons to communicate difficult news. Because, for example, nobody wants to be told they're sick either, Matt, right? But unfortunately, that's why we have doctors. That's why we have health clinics. Because sometimes you need to know that you have a problem. Because until you know and accept that you have a problem, you're not going to go about fixing it. And this is exactly the same with climate change. But what I, I stress it again, what's astonishing for this, Matt, especially for people like me who've been on this particular uh, stump for a very long time is, you know, we are not the minority here. We, are, we represent the overwhelming majority view in Ireland. And I think when you hear the deniers, when the people are texting into the show saying that's all rubbish, that's rubbish. Just remember, at maximum, they represent 3% of the population of Ireland. They're basically a hard fringe and history has moved on from them. Thank you very much, John Gibbons, for joining us here on The Last Word at Today FM 087-4100-102 gives you the last word by text or by WhatsApp. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.